So it was about 13 years ago that you took your first ice bath, and I believe it was in a trash can in your high school, maybe right after uh, football practice. And I want you to like think about that moment then to now where you're at today and how this has become literally like your livelihood. You've built a brand around cold therapy. In what ways has this consistent cold water therapy changed your personal or your business life? Mm. Great question. Right off the bat. I love it. So many, so many ways. And, and yeah, it, it was pretty cool. A couple of weeks ago, a month ago now at this point, I went back to my high school and I donated a, an edge tub to upgrade them from the trash can game. So it was super cool. <laughs> they were, I mean, wildly appreciative of the football team. was stoked. They didn't want to be in the trash cans anymore. They were over uh, there. Yeah. We had to ditch, ditch the trash, ditch, ditch the ice and ditch the trash can. And uh, it, it was super cool to set it up literally in the exact same spot where I took my first ice bath. So fun full circle moment. I love those, those winks from the universe, those, those full circle moments that come to fruition years and years down the road. So, but for, for me, you know, even t- taking it then in high school, doing those ice baths and, and the way that I think a lot of people see ice baths is like, yeah, it's what athletes do for recovery. You take ice baths to help with soreness and inflammation after a football game, the day after you're sore, you're beat up, feels like you got in a car accident, like you're getting into the ice bath and it's going to help you. But it wasn't until many years later in 2019, when I was doing a Wim Hof method, uh, expedition, a retreat out in Iceland that I felt like I really tapped into more of the spiritual benefits of ice bath, the mental benefits of it and what it could do. And to me, the biggest lesson it taught me right off the bat is how to find strength and surrender and how to greet an intensity of a moment and discomfort with a sense of relief and release. How can you find comfort in that discomfort? Because if you try to attack the ice and try to be like, all right, we're going to rah-rah and get through the ice bath here, go into a freezing lake, like you're going to get slapped silly. It's going to humble you very quickly. In fact, the only way to, to get through a proper cooling ice bath immersion is to relax into it. And that was such a life lesson that life was trying to teach me at the point in other, teach me that point in other ways that came through with the ice. So that consistent practice and doing that on the daily has been instrumental for my life. It's personally my healing, my, my healing process with my body, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but then also from the business standpoint, like you were mentioning, because like this morning, even I didn't want to get in the ice bath this morning, but it's like, it's like that, that's a couple seconds before you get in. You're like, uh, I really don't want to do this. The mental chatter starts going over. You're like, I really don't want to do this, but you do it anyway. And you build a lot of trust in yourself and build a lot of resilience and in, in, in your word and your willpower by doing it, be, being able to do follow through and close a dopamine loop and do the thing that you say you're going to do, even if it sucks in the moment. But then after you can't fake the neurochemical rise you get, the, the effects you feel after you feel so good. And you're like, ah, oh, this is why I do it. Yeah. So just being able to lean into the discomfort and do the hard thing and start the day, set the tone with being able to do the hard thing that translates throughout the whole day, whatever calls you're having, emails, tough conversations you have in your business. It just, it sets the day for me personally to know I just did that. I went through that. Uh, the rest is gravy. It's all, it's all, it's all downstream from here. I think it's so important that people hear from the man himself that he has resistance to oh, get man. into the plunge because what's crazy about that timing is even when I finished my morning run this morning, I'm like walking it out and I'm laughing because I'm like, people think that outside looking in, they might have this perception of me because of the content I create and the message that right. I'm pushing and what I share on a podcast. And like, it's just easy. Like the man just wakes up and he's like dialed in all the time. But literally the whole run, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I just simply don't want to run. And I have to keep training myself 
This is a choice. This is what you mm-hmm. signed up for. This is this moment is actually more important than the day when I wake up and I actually want to run. This is what's defining me, right? So it's uh, it's just that constant reminder that like it's a choice and a decision to lean into the discomfort to do the thing you don't want to do, even on the days you don't want to do it. Especially on the days you don't want to do it, like you said, 100%. it's it's a practice. Like, and, and I think that's something that. That I, and one of the things, one of the reasons I, I love you so much, man, and I love our relationship, even though like it's it's very early in its stages, I believe, for the things that we're going to do and collaborate on together. I feel that right. deeply, but I think that we have a mutual respect for each other because I, I view you and I admire something I admire about you is you're someone that's doing the work in real time, right? And it's not, it's easy, especially in, you know, in, the, in the social media world to see people and to think like, oh, this person's got it all together. It's easy for that person or like this person's doing all those crazy things. That's cool, but that's inaccessible for me. But no, nah, it's like what we're here to say and what we're sharing is this is a reflection in real time. Like we're going through it in real time and we're, we're, I'm committed to the practice of it. That means the days that I don't want to do, it's like, how do I show up in those days and those moments? And it's a constant practice. Never figure it out. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be dead by the time I figure it out. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's a constant practice. So yeah. I, I appreciate and respect that, respect that about you for sure. Is that, you know, you're someone that I see and that's that authenticity. It's like, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it figured out. I'm figuring out right alongside with you. Here's what I'm practicing. Right. Yeah, I appreciate those words. And I, I do believe this is a, a early seed planted in this relationship that I think is going to, we'll look back on these conversations and laugh and where the journey will take us. Um, but I'm curious, I, you know, I've heard you talk about the Wim Hof experience and content and podcasts, right? And I'd love to get your take on, you know, there's something to be said about, does someone need to go to a Wim Hof? Let's use the Wim Hof as an example. Does someone need to, you know, financially put, commit themselves to an experience like that fly, you know, to Iceland or, or Poland, I think he's in, you know, it's mm-hmm. such a commitment, time, money, energy to get there. But through it, you have this experience that really impacted you. And I'm always toying with that thought. And I'd love to get your perspective on, do we need to do, to be in like in a certain environment for it to finally click or for something to finally happen? Or is this something that Maybe Joshua would have figured out if he was laying on his bed, had the YouTube video up of a Wim Hof that day, and it, it would have finally would have clicked. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. One of the things that I love about breath work and cold water immersion is that breath is free and every shower goes cold, depending on what time of year where you live. Some goes colder than others, but you can have access to these tools, YouTube, right? Podcasts. I heard Wim Hof on a podcast and the podcast set the stage for me, for, for the seed that was planted that changed my life, which is his message that we are responsible and in control of our own health, our own strength, and our own happiness. That's up to us. No one's coming to save us with those things. That's up to us to take control. And that really resonated with me at the time. And I just, what I like to say is follow the breadcrumb. So I follow the breadcrumb from that. And I'm a kind of extreme person. So I follow the breadcrumb. Quite frankly, I wanted to find a, a workshop locally to go to, but this is years ago when there was only a handful of North American uh, Wim Hof Method instructors. So there was nothing nearby there was stuff in Europe, but nothing here. And so I was like, well, there's a retreat. I've always wanted to go to Iceland. This is scary, but it feels right. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the jump here. And I, I've lived my life in that way of just following the breadcrumbs. So wherever the first breadcrumb is accessible to you, follow it. So mm-hmm. that can be going up on YouTube and, and, and doing a guided Wim Hof exercise on YouTube, laying on your bed, or that can be going into doing a cold shower. But what the cool part about where we're at now with this type of practice is that it's becoming a lot more accessible like at Edge Theory Labs, for example, we have twenty now. We have twenty ambassadors across the country that are leading workshops and doing these experiences, and it's a lot easier now. And you can go on Wim Hof Method website. I'm an instructor. There's a lot of North American instructors. There's probably an instructor locally in your area where you can go do a workshop, like a couple hour workshop. 
And that's a lot more accessible than buying a ticket, a retreat ticket, f- flying across the world to do it. Different levels of experiences. But I've had people that have had their life changed from doing you know, one guided breathwork session laying on their bed and all the way up to being on a retreat. So follow the breadcrumb, find the breadcrumb that's closest to you and start there. And then if it inspires the next step, then take the next step and take the next step. But I don't think it needs to be an extreme step to get started. Start with what's accessible and what's around you. Yeah, that's such a good way to look at it. Like, even if you look back on a, f- a few years ago, I don't feel like I was hearing nearly cold therapy, breath work. Like these were topics that it was like, you either had experienced it because you knew someone who had a $10,000 plunge or similarly, right. it's like you maybe came across one YouTube video on breath work. There were no classes you could take locally. And if you wanted to take it to that experiential level, it's like, well, I'm flying, I'm flying I'm across <laughs> yeah. man himself. So let's giddy up and let's do it. Right. Um, I, I was reading on your, uh, your LinkedIn bio. It said on a journey of becoming a healthier, happier, and more successful human being and sharing what I learned along the way. I think we all strive for healthier, happier, and more successful lives. Like that's a great way to summarize. I think what everyone is on a quest on, regardless of their purpose, their passion, what they enjoy doing on a day to day. But I would love to know how do you measure health? How do you measure happiness? And how do you measure success? Great questions, and that's where you start. And in terms of in terms of sharing that along the way with other people that's where you have to start is define those things because what they are for me and I'll share what they are for me are probably similar to what they are for you, but, but different. And they're going to be different for every person, especially the success part. And that's why I love that word in there, healthier, happier, and more successful is because success is different for every, every, everybody, every person. And we don't, like, I, I wish that our education system was focused around helping us define what success looks like from our place instead of just kind of sheeping us through to, uh, you know, a, a cultural definition of success. But success doesn't necessarily mean more money, doesn't mean more fame, doesn't mean more, more, more of different things. It can mean something different for everybody. For me, the way that I measure success, the way that I measure health, the way that I measure happiness is knowing that at the end of the day, I feel like I did all that I could with all that I had. I did the best that I could with all that I had. And I showed up to the highest level that I possibly could w- within my control. And success to me is it, it, the big on a macro level means at the end of the day, on my deathbed, transitioning to, to the next world and transitioning out of this human experience, this 3D life, this time-space reality that we're in right now and knowing, wow, like... I did it. Like I did the thing. I left it all on the field. That's success on a macro level for me. On a micro level for me, that means hitting my head on that pillow every night, feeling like, wow, I did it today. I I had a full day. It was a full day. I was challenged. I challenged myself. I pushed myself. I expanded myself. I exercised myself. I was engaged and I was doing meaningful work to me. That's on a micro level what success looks like for me. And, and from a happiness standpoint, I, they, they go hand in hand. And I define happiness by like, what's my barometer of how much I'm laughing? How much am I laughing to the point of crying? How much am I experiencing laughter in my life? That's such a, that's such a, that goes hand in hand with happiness for me. When I'm laughing, I'm happier. So mm. laughter and happier, that's like, a, that's a metric for that. And from a health standpoint for me, the metric for health is, how in tune with my body am I truly like the health can, can vary, but like I could be dealing with a nagging injury here or there, but how in tune with my body am I my not? And when I say my body, I mean my physical body, my emotional body and my spiritual body, how in tune with my bodies am I? 
and how present with my bodies am I? How do I feel in my body right now? How present am I with the emotions that are presenting themselves and coming up for me? How present do I feel with my, my physical body and, and exercising and playing basketball last night, hooping for two hours like I did? So much fun. So how, how well do I feel in tune with my body in communion with my body? That's how I define health for myself. Oh, man, there's so much to unpack here. Um, I think the one thing that I, I was like pinching myself as you were describing like how you define success is the old version of me. Yeah. Success was material items and you did not reference a single material possession or anything in that world, which 99% I think of society is defining their success. But what you were defining your success as is things that were within your control which is like, right. it doesn't even matter where you are today or where you are 10 years from now in Edge Theory Labs is, you know, right. in countries all around the globe. It's like you are fully allowing your success measure to be something that is within your control, which is just means that no matter the scale in which you grow, the direction in which you go with your life, you're always going to be within that control, which I think is just such a good way to look at success and then and health being able to compartmentalize and break those three up into... Right physical, the mental, the spiritual, oftentimes yeah. get so easily neglected for a magnitude of reasons, but being able to self-regulate and check in with yourself, like, what does my body need? Right. And it's, that's just so powerful. Yeah. Thank you, man. And, and, and like, like you were saying, the reason I've evolved to this place of like my goals that I set now are, are embodied goals. It's, it's how do, who do I want to become? Not what do I want to get? Like, yes, I have an idea. I have a North star, but I know. And the reason why my definition of success isn't these material things is also because like, I know that those things will come as a byproduct of me showing up and living every day. I know if I can show up to the highest degree possible every day and practice that, right? Some days it's easier than others, but surround myself with the people, the environment, the inspiration to vibrate at that higher level, at that higher frequency. If I can do that and that's within my control, I know that all of the material things that would be fun to have and that I do desire, like they're going to come, but that's a byproduct. I'm not measuring success on that because you hear it all the time with the successful people. What, did Jim, what does Jim Carrey say? He said, I wish everybody could get rich and famous to realize that's not what they wanted all along, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, listen to the people that are there telling you these things. How many times do we hear the trope of someone who they got the house, they got the car, they had the, they had everything and they thought it was going to make them happy because that's what they define success as. And then it didn't make them happy. It's like, of yeah. course. So how can we take control back on that definition of success for ourselves? Something that's internal, something that is within our control. And then I found the paradox is the more that I focus on that, then the more the other stuff just comes, the more the business success happens, the more the, the opportunities come and the people come and, and the money comes, right? It's like, it all comes as a byproduct of that. So it's a bit of a paradox there that I've been finding as a business has been just an, an, an incredible reflection for that energy game that's, that's happening. Yeah. I think the material items are just, honestly, they're just dopamine hits, right? Like I always like to think of the examples, even when you're a kid, like you want that new pair of shoes, right? So small, call it a hundred dollars, right? But like you would do anything for that pair of shoes. And then when you get it, you're pumped, you're psyched two weeks later, you're like, but now I want the next pair. So right. on a small scale, if that's the way in which you compartmentalize, accept, love, have this thing. And now you're like, well, now I want the next thing. It's going to happen with the car, the house, the Always. flying first class. It's just, it's just constant toxic dopamine hits that are just going to leave you to feeling empty, unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And I really do believe that if, and I challenge myself daily, Joshua, if I can't find happiness today, I'm not going to find it with anything else. Like I have to, 
it's a mental rep and it's a mental challenge that I have to work on on a daily basis. It's not, once again, outside perception. I ain't perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but it's a daily practice to remind myself I need to be happy with who's in my life, what I have in my life, where I'm at in my life, trusting that this is where I'm meant to be. And as long as I can access that happiness right now, then no matter where that road takes me, I'm always going to be able to access it. What a hack, man. I love that approach and that perspective because it's like you shortcut it. It's like, all right. It, it, the only reason we want those things is that we believe that we will feel better in the having of those things. Mm. So what if we flip that on its head and we just choose and focus and put our energy towards feeling better now and feeling good now without those things, then those things come. It's great. We can enjoy them, but it's not, we're not attached to them. Or if we don't get them, we're not attached to them. It's a by, it becomes a byproduct. There's less of an attachment to it. And then I believe that you can have all the fun things in your life. Like I love the apartment that I live in. I love the office that we have. Like I love the car that I drive. I love, I love the, the, the abundance that I have in terms of being able to go to the grocery store and pick out what I want and have to worry about finances. I love that. It wasn't always that way for me. I love that now so much. I love being able to travel where I want to go. So it's, it's like, those things come, but it's, it's not the attachment or my identity is not wrapped up in that. It's a, it's a byproduct that I receive now with gratitude of like, wow, grateful for this. And, and you attract more of those things when you can kind of flip it on its head and, and focus on feeling good now without the having of it. And then the having of it comes. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, it absolutely does. This next question is, is uh, selfish. And I'm curious, right? Like, so what you were just describing, the car, the apartment, the office, like you've created this life for yourself, right? And there was a jump off point that you had to make from high impact coaching to go all in in this. And I might be incorrect, but I believe you had started building Edge Theory Labs behind the scenes for quite a bit. Maybe there was like a six month, um, three to six months in between of balancing both. And then at some point you had to take that leap and create space and say, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go all in. Even I'm sure having, you know, a very nice salary, benefits, all that good stuff. Looking back on that moment, if you could whisper something to mm-hmm. Joshua's ear, because I'm sure there was a lot of this inner trying to stop you, trying to tell you, Josh, mm-hmm. stay, stay where you're at. What would you tell yourself? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think that I, I think something interesting about what I did, and I'll get back to what I would tell myself, but around that is that it didn't feel like I was taking a massive jump and like a huge leap of faith. Yes, it still was like, all right, I'm going to be leaving a job that I love, that I'm getting paid great, that I have a great team, that I have flexibility and the comfort and the lifestyle like that's fueling this. And like, I'm going to be leaving that for not paying myself and, and taking a chance at figuring something out. So there was still definitely a, a leap, if you will, but it felt more like a step versus a leap. And something I often tell people is, instead of taking, instead of like taking a massive leap or a jump, build a bridge. So I felt like the way that I approached this, which, which I think isn't talked about enough is, is I I built a bridge to get there. So I was working on this in the background for some time, launched it while still working this full-time job and saw there was enough proof of concept still. I mean, I mean, nowhere near if this thing's going to work out or not, but enough proof of concept to where it's like, all right, I'm going to take this step now because this something is going strong enough and there's enough momentum around it where I can't not take that step. Like I can't not give this a shot and give it its full go. So, so making that transition became a lot easier from that standpoint, as well as 
taking control of my financial responsibility, which I was in a lot of debt at one point and had a horrible relationship with money and was not, was not, it was, it was a bad relationship with money. And I would spend a lot, I would I'd rack up debt and I, I took control of my financial responsibility, my fin- financial well-being. It's another metric of health, your financial health. And I started to build out a runway for myself, started to save a lot, started to cut my expenses, got out of a more expensive lifestyle creep that kind of kept up, got to a more affordable car, more affordable home, started to kind of consolidate. And I built myself a runway to all of a sudden I had enough in my savings that I could live for six months on my savings without changing my lifestyle. And so that gave me the comfort to be like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to go give myself six months to do this. And I know I don't have to change my lifestyle. And let's see within six months, if I can go full go with edge theory labs, if we can get it to the place where we can start to pay me something and pay my cousin something to see if there's a proof of concept there. So those things made it to where it felt like it was a bridge. And the only way in my opinion, because had I been month to month at that point as well, it would have been more challenging because it would have been like, I I don't know if I can go full time or I'm going to, I'm going to have to put a lot of pressure on making this work very quickly and coming at it from that lack perspective or a lot of pressure is not a very healthy way of attracting what you do want. And so being able to build that bridge gave me time. It, it bought, I bought myself time, literally time. I literally bought myself time by having a savings built up. And then I, and then I, I built proof of concept with this product and market first before making that step. So it really did feel like a step. So I'll, I'll just pause there. Like, that's what I would tell myself is like, take the step. Like it's, it, it feels like it might be a jump still because you're making a big shift, but it's really just a step. And, and that's why I was able to rationally talk myself into, into doing it with the help of a lot of mentors and, and support. Man, that, <laughs> that hits home, uh, because on January 15th, it's my last day at liquid IV wow. and I myself have built about a six month runway and also, I feel like the last year and a half, two years, I mean, this has been six or seven years in the making, but I'd say the yeah. last year and a half, two years has been building that bridge with a lot of the short form content that I've been doing in the one-on-one yeah. coaching. Concepts. So you are, that was a selfish question because I wanted to see what you would tell yourself since I'm now in that seat. I love it. Speak yeah. my language, man. That's it, man. And I would tell you, like, look what an amazing bridge you've built. And I think that's another reason why we're, we're, we're we, you know, we share a really strong connection is because we, we, and when we were talking early on as well, we, you know, we shared that same approach. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I tell this to people all the time, especially aspiring entrepreneurs, it's like, don't quit your day job. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> it's also not the job you hate, but like, how can you get into yourself in an environment where you can leverage what you're working on, leverage your day job? So I think of it, it's like, think of your day job as a client of yours. They're paying you a certain amount a year if you're on a salary position or they're paying you a certain amount an hour. And you're like, it's your choice. You can stay there or leave if you want. Like they're, they're paying you. So how can you use that and then build a side hustle? on the, Like I'm a huge fan of the side hustle game. It's how we started Edge Theory Labs. Like how can you, how can you then leverage whether it's income or whether it's connections from your current job or how can you just leverage the stability that that gives you to then create something else and build up a side hustle or get proof of concept somewhere, experiment to get the thing that's like, oh, cool. Now this feels like a step. Because I I would bet that if you went back, you know, a year and a half ago and you decided at that point, all right, I'm going to quit liquid IV and I'm just going to go full go and try to make this work probably would have gone very differently. Your relationship with it would have been different. Like the results that you got probably would have been very different, but instead you built yourself a bridge over this last year and a half, two years, which was exact same time window of the bridge that I built myself. And you built yourself a bridge to where you now feel like you can take a step with confidence. It's not this huge leap of faith, burn the boat. It's like you're taking a calculated step. And, um, and, And for whatever reason, I think that there's, 
especially in the entrepreneurial space, there's kind of, it's kind of romanticized about like the, the burn the boats, like take the leap of faith, take the jump and, you know, trust jump in the net shall appear, which I believe, I believe to be true as well. But there's almost this kind of romanticized idea of like, I quit my job with, you know, with nothing left, nothing in my bank account. I want to start the business and built a massive empire. It's like, yes, that's cool. But, and I should say there's a, there's another way and, and whoever you are, you can relate with different ways, but this is a path that's worked for me. And uh, you know, you're on the same path as well, which is beautiful to see that. Yeah, dude, I love that you mentioned the the romanticizing the burn the right. ships because I I've subtly posted some stuff like a, a, a image of like the ships burning and I put like a date and no one has no idea except like a very select few people. Let's go. Um, so even by the time this podcast comes out, I think it'll be like two or three days before the official day. So the timing wow. will be the real ones that they're listening to this podcast will know hey. what's coming. But totally. I completely agree. Calculated risk, thinking it through, and absolutely like if I went back twelve to eighteen months and considered this decision, it would not have been calculated. I would have felt like, what am I going to do? But I truly believe it's like been this behind the scenes, like working, setting myself up so that when I take this leap or walk across this bridge, this is when I think truly it's like putting myself in the position to just allow these opportunities to come in abundance. And even since that moment that I let my team know that I was stepping away, seven within a seven day period, I had locked in three separate brand partnerships. And it was just like, Something in this in this world, man, is watching, listening, whatever you want to believe. But like, you at some point you have to put yourself in that position yeah. to accept those abundance of opportunities. And if you don't, you're just creating resistance for those things to finally come knocking on your door. I love it. And what that tells me is, I always view it as like a dance, right? I'm having a dance with the universe. You have to take a step, and then you allow the universe to take a step, right? It's like it's mm-hmm. it's action reaction, right? It's it's cause and effect, and so. What I love about that, and I, I found something very similar as well. I, you know, you pay attention to the omens, to the signs, to to these winks from the universe, so to speak, to these breadcrumbs that are fl- flying in front of you, and and you see the you see the 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 certainty come through. So, like, what that tells me is, right after you put in your, you said you put in your notice, and then you close like a couple of brand deal, deals within, deals within a week. Like, that's that's the indication like what are you, like you have your proof of concept with that alone like you have the proof and the nudge of like cool you're making that action hey here's here's confidence it's mm-hmm. very similar to me where we were we were we were selling you know we were early on you know we sold through our pre-order in 60 days but as it was kind of in that decision timeline of like all right do i do i make a step do i not and i finally decided to like make that step that next day we had our best sales day in the history of the company and it was just like another like okay if I had any doubts now, like let those doubts go to rest because yes, this is possible. Like we can do this. So it's these little, these little winks, these little nudges that come as you take action. And it requires that. Like you can't just sit forever. You got to take that action. And, and the more that I find, like the more action that I take and the more, the more, the bolder the actions are, then that is equally reciprocated from these forces from the universe, right? God equally reciprocates however big that next step is. He will equally reciprocate that that, that reminder that like, that he's got my back and that I'm, I'm supported in that way. I love, I love, you've said it a few times, but I love this paying attention to the breadcrumbs. Like that is something that I think is so, it's so much easier to grab hold of than like these massive, like life changes, right? Right now it's, we're about to be in the new year, new year, new me. People want to hit the reset button. They want to change every aspect of their life. They want the results within two weeks. And it's like, what are the breadcrumbs that you can look for that are going to head you towards that new fitness lifestyle? So if you're wanting to get in the gym and you haven't been in the gym for six months, sign up for the membership. That's the first breadcrumb. Then going the next day, that's another breadcrumb. It's not 
things aren't just going to flip overnight, right? So I, I really love that like perspective on following, listening, chasing after the breadcrumbs because I think it ultimately gets you to where you're trying to go. That's it. It's the name of the game, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think this is found on, I think it was once again LinkedIn. I found some good stuff on LinkedIn, man. You do a good job cool. of keep, keeping that up to date. But uh, the the bio on, on, on NShare Labs. So we at NShare Labs believe that greatness happens at the edge of your comfort zone and we're on a mission to give you the tools that give you the edge. Nailed it. Absolutely. Can you give me a recent example where you were pushed to the edge of your comfort zone? Ooh, sure can, man. It's a beautiful part about the, about running and starting a business as well as it's such a reflection because I, I get pushed to the edge of my comfort zone all the time within business. Give you some examples there. But really the thing that pops up for me is I just recently completed an Ironman triathlon, my first Ironman triathlon. Congrats, bro. That was massive. I, I, I've yeah. seen the content and that is... Thanks, man. Talking about being in the edge and being in that edge zone, and really, that's kind of where the name for Edge Theory Labs came. Is that I, I always admired this and talked about often something I refer to as the edge zone. It's that zone where you feel like you're in deep waters, right? Where you feel like, all right, I am uncomfortable right now, and physically, that can look like everything in your body wants to stop and you're going to keep going. That's the edge zone there. Or the edge zone is when you're walking into a meeting with your boss and you're going to ask for a raise, right? Or you're going to have a tough conversation with someone you've been dating or your partner or your spouse. It's not just a physical thing, right? We often think physical, but it's like, where are these moments where typically we throttle back, typically we push our foot off the gas. It's easier to do that. It's comfortable. But where are these moments where we can actually punch the gas pedal, where we can put ourselves outside of our comfort zone. It's like that edge of the comfort zone right there. That's where the growth happens. That's where greatness happens. Nothing great was ever achieved from being warm and fuzzy and cozy in your comfort zone. Nothing great was ever achieved that way. Like it requires taking those steps. So that's where the name for Edge Theory Labs came from is this idea and this thesis and this theory that greatness happens at the edge of your comfort zone. And that's that's the zone I always strive to be. So that happens on those micro levels, on a day-to-day basis, on those daily interactions, on the daily, should I get into the cold stuff? Should I not? Should I go on this run? Should I not? Should I do this workout? Should I not? Should I have this conversation or should I not? When it's easier to not. But that's that's where the magic happens when you actually do the thing. So Ironman was 16 hours of being in that edge zone. It was, it was, it was the it was the furthest I've pushed myself and my body. Um, and I love my body so much for being able to work with me through that. I was talking to my body constantly throughout the day. You got this, we're here, I got you. You're good. You're healthy. You're strong. You got more. You got more. And it was it was the longest day of my life. It was probably the best day of my life too. And how funny is that? Just to think about something as being the best day of your life that had almost that that also had the most challenge of your life. So uh, that was a moment where I was pushed to the absolute edge of edges, and I got to be real intimate with myself, to discover deeper parts of myself, to keep going. And a friend was telling me doing anything for 16 hours is hard. Like sitting on the couch for 16 hours is hard. Like, you know, going on an airplane for 16 hours is hard, let alone exercising, run, swim, bike for 16 hours is nuts. So the, the race was just, it was insane. It was, so it's a two point for those that don't know full Ironman, it's a 2.4 mile swim, which took me about an hour and a half followed by a 112 mile bike ride followed by a 26.2 full marathon run all within, you have to do it within 18 hours of the time limit. There's certain cutoffs. So, um, it was a, it was a challenge, but, uh, but I was, I was in the edge zone. I was in the, in the hurt locker for some time, but I was, <laughs> I was in that edge zone the whole day, man. Man, that's such a massive accomplishment. I'm, I'm curious, like there are people that might hear this that rationalize there's not enough t- time in the day for them to go to the gym or, 
They don't want to carve out time to meditate because it's, it's tapping into their productive hours. But you just trained and accomplished an incredible achievement, which I know from a few people requires an extensive amount of training time while you're also building a successful business that is thriving. How were you able to balance both? Hmm. Let me let you on a little secret here. Action expresses priority. Look at your action and it's going to express priority. The, I don't have enough time for this or that is just, is just an excuse. It, it, it's, not, it's not an excuse. It just means that I don't have enough time for this. It just means that this is less of a priority for me. And that's okay. It's, just a, it's a good barometer to look at what are you prioritizing? How are you investing your time? How are you spending your time? So for me, two big things became priorities, which was building this business and doing this Ironman triathlon. And my cousin Rob and I did it with my cousin, my co-founder. We were just laughing throughout the whole thing. We're just like, what, what, what did we, what, what, what did we decide to do this? Like, what, what are we, we're actually crazy. Like this is so ill-advised, but, but we got through it. You know, we did it together one step at a time and it was a priority. So there was other things that had to be deprioritized during that time. For example, like I love playing basketball, didn't play basketball for six months. So socializing, like sacrifice pretty much every single weekend from socializing to do my training. It's like, I've, I've recognized, all right, this is going to be less of a priority than, than, than training for this triathlon. So certain travel, I traveled a lot less during that time. So I could be here and in the rhythm and routine. So there's, there's certain sacrifices you make trade-offs you make when you just reprioritize certain things in your life. So, so the people are like, I don't have enough time to do this or that. It's just, just look and decide. What do you, what do you want to prioritize? You get to choose. What are you choosing to prioritize? Obviously, there's consequences for choosing to prioritize certain things. If you've got a kid at home and you choose not to prioritize the kid, like there's consequences for that, right? And there's certain limitations that people have, but there's so much that we have within our control. So I would say that it's 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 really a prioritization game, and that's how we were able to. Uh, that's how we were able to do it. How was having Rob as like I don't know if you guys were training together on a daily basis, but how was it having an accountability partner right. who is not only family, yep, is also your co-founder, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm curious what that relationship looked like during, during this. Cause it's, it's like one thing if one of you is like, Hey, I'm going to try and for an Ironman. So like, you know, I might be kind of off balance for the next couple months, but just right. like pick up, pick up the weight that I'm kind of right. like dropping. But no, you're like, we're both going to do this at the same time. So we're either going to sink or swim together exactly. with this Ironman and with our business. <laughs> Man, it's essential. It's essential. And thank God we love each other. Cause we spent, and we spent, I mean, we spent so much time together as, as, as founders regardless and as cousins regardless. And then add on top of that, you know, 15 hours a week of training, really it's those long, it's the weekend where you're doing like, you know, 50 or 70, hundred mile bike ride, or you're doing, you know, you're running a casual half marathon, right? So those, it's a lot of time, hours and hours, seven hours of training Saturday, five hours of training Sunday, right? So you're spending, so we're spending all of our week together and we're spending all of our weekends together training. But it, you know, it, it, it was the basis of how we built a really strong relationship before we even started a business was doing this and training together and, and essential man to have someone. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. if It was just myself, like part of the fun and the, and, and the, the challenge of it is doing it with someone else. Cause you're pushing each other and you're in it together and knowing that someone's in it with you and in the heart hurt locker with you and is struggling with you is, is, is what allows you to keep going. So uh, we were definitely masochist to a certain point because it was, <laughs> not, not, I wouldn't advise people to do it. Let's just put it that way. So <laughs> have a, a year two business, uh, startup company and train for full Ironman. But, um, but it's been years in the making for us. And, and it was, a, it was, a, it was just an absolute pleasure. I'm a big believer that pressure really does create diamonds. And I, even when I look back on, uh, there was a stint in 
20, end of 2021, early 2022, I did uh, three marathons in six months. And oh. it just like, it just like, when I look back on that time of my life, I still embody a fitness lifestyle workout six, seven days a week. I, I kind of got out of like a training regimen because I, I got burnt out through, through that for those training blocks. But it just, it amazes me and, and how at that time in my life, how even adding in that pressure of a daily training block, like I felt like it was so crucial to everything that was happening. My business was thriving. Mm. My relationship was just beginning. Like, uh, you know, I was, I was training for these races and pushing myself mentally and physically running when I didn't want to run. Like, but at the same time, I was able to juggle all of those things at one time. And I also felt like I was able to compartmentalize things so much better because I was like, well, I have to go do this run for 60 minutes. There's right. no, I can't wake up and just start working. I have to do the damn training. Get which it made me more productive and more efficient with the time when I was working because I knew I needed to cut work off, to have dinner, to get rest, to get up early, to then do the other run. So it just forced this like lifestyle of just complete discipline and accountability to following what I need to do and eliminating anything else that was a distraction. Mm. I relate with that so much. And it was interesting because I, I learned that about myself early on in high school. I, my GPA was always better during football season, which, is, which was surprising because football season, you're practicing. I mean, practices are late, you know, super busy, super taxing on the body. And I always did better and had a better GPA when I was in football season because I was, I, like you said, it's just like, you just got to get it done. And uh, and, and there's a healthy amount of pressure. Like there's, you know, I, I look at pressure as, as kind of like a, like a bell curve, right? You can have too little and you're not going to be fulfilled or productive and you can have too much and you're not going to be filled and productive, but that right amount, kind of like the Goldilocks zone and a lot of things like not too hot, not too cold, just right. That right amount is where you can really thrive and stress is that way too. Uh, stress, looking at you, stress and de-stress and the, the psychophysiology of stress on the body, which I found fascinating, but it's, it's, it's so, it's so it's been the case for me as well, where I do better when I'm like structured and regimented. Cause then I just show up and do the thing and everything else falls in place. Wow. That's crazy. That literally you were doing better in high school because of football yeah. than when yeah. you didn't have football. Well, I'm the same thing. It, was, it sounds like that's what you're telling me too. Like when you were yeah. training, it was like the business was doing better. Things were doing better. You were in your rhythm than not. And I think that uh, it, it, this might be a hot take. I might get canceled for saying this, but I think that we don't, we don't, we're not stressed enough. Like we're not pushing ourselves enough generally right now as a generation and as a culture and a society, because if you sit on your couch all day long, or you're just getting dopamine hits from being in a scroll hole all day long, you're going to be unwell. Like it's not like the opposite of stress is not if you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed out, like why are we feeling overwhelmed and stressed out more so now than ever before when things are easier, we're not doing anything. It's because of that relationship that we have. And when we can push ourselves or we can bring on some healthy amount of pressure or challenge ourselves in some way, we rise to the occasion and we find fulfillment in that. We find growth in that and, and our, and our neurochemicals and our whole body responds accordingly to that. But if we just sit, if we do, I think we're doing too little. We're not challenging ourselves enough. And I don't think it's the stress that's causing us to be overwhelmed. I think it's the lack of stress. It's the lack of actually putting real healthy stress on your body, hormetic stress, cold tub, sauna, hit workouts, pushing your body, pushing your mind, challenging yourself. I, I had that insight come through when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in 2019, when I was, the summit day was one of the other edge zones. One of the, the furthest I pushed myself on the edge zone as I had altitude sickness and was pushing through was stagnation cannot exist when you're challenging yourself. 
And when you, you either choose the challenges that inspire you or life's going to throw challenges your way. So we have the ability to choose what are the challenges that inspire you. Doing a marathon, learning a new language, uh, starting a side hustle, doing something different. So I just, I, I, again, I think it's a bit of a hot take, but I think that, I think that actually a lot, a big source of our depression, our anxiety, our, our stress is because of a lack of challenging ourselves. I completely agree. I also want to add one perspective to that, that stress is relative to you, right? Mm -hmm. So David Goggins, him going out on a 20 mile run, he's not stressed because that's just like casual him. But then 20, uh, June 2020 version of me is stressed about running two miles because I can't run two miles, right? So I think the other thing is we have to recognize and be okay with our current stress can be pushed and it's going to evolve. Yeah. So you don't need, if you're listening, like you don't need to just sign up for the Ironman to be like, right. I'm, I, can, I can handle stress. It's what, it, what is your edge, right? right? Define what your current edge is in your career, in your physical and mental health, in your relationships, in your life experiences, whatever it is, what's that edge? And how do you add 10% stress there that's going to force you to grow? And then that's now your new floor. And yeah. then you just keep evolving, evolving and building blocks. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for that add on there. That's that's really, really great and important reminder yeah. in this conversation. It's it's what I like to refer to as building your capacity. Like yes. David Goggins' capacity for stress in certain ways is a lot higher than than the average person. But it's not about getting to that level. It's just about building your capacity. It's increasing. It's like because every time when we're playing in those edge zones and we're out of that comfort zone what happens? We're actually expanding what then does become comfortable. That's where growth happens. And we keep, then we, then we push it past our edge zone there. Two miles for you in 2018 was crazy. I'm sure a couple weeks later, a month later, then two miles was fine. That was once out of your comfort zone. Now it's within your comfort zone. And now four miles is that next stretch. So it's like, it's building that capacity to handle stress, to handle what comes at us in life. And what, what a beautiful thing to, to allow us to be versatile human beings to, to achieve the happiness, health, and success that we want. Yeah. When you were describing some of the, like the training block for the Ironman, you, you said, you know, I wasn't able to play basketball that much. I wasn't hanging out socially with people. What I'm really hearing is you were getting really good at building boundaries and learning to say no so that you could prioritize. Right. So not only are you doing that for your personal life, but I would imagine with the inbound and the growth of edge theory labs, there are probably so many things coming inbound brand partnerships, events and experiences, uh, ways that we can acquire new customers. There's just constant, I can only imagine there's constant noise. How do you assess whether it is for the business or for your personal life, what mm. to say yes to and what to say no to? Mm. Love that question. No is the sexiest word in the English language. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think it's so powerful when you, when you become skillful yeah. in it. It's like, it's just, it's freedom. That's it what it really is. is. It really is. And I, I think, um, it might be Warren Buffett that says it or Charles, Charles Munger. I, it might be Warren, but I think it's Warren Buffett. He says the difference between successful people and really, really successful people is that really, really successful people say no to almost everything. Um, but I always like my relationship with yes and no, it's a great, great topic to dive into is, um, there's times in my life and there's moments where, I say yes to everything. And it's like, cause, cause growth and experience doesn't happen in a vacuum. So I kind of view it as like this, this, this standpoint of maximizing chaos and then minimizing chaos. Like if you're someone right now, if you're a little stagnant or you're kind of like looking for something to shift in your life, 
you probably need to say yes to more things. Say yes to more chaos, like create more chaos in your life. A friend tells you, hey, I just read this book, you should read it. Say yes to that. Or hey, I'm going to this event, you wanna come with me? Say yes to that. Something comes, a breadcrumb falls in front of you on your lap. Say yes to that thing. And then you create a lot of um, chaos, if you will, healthy chaos in your life. And then you can start minimizing it and, and minimizing it to focus on the things that have come up that you want to be saying yes to. Because every time you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. And likewise, every time you're saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. That's the the, the beauty of and the dichotomy of, of yes and no is that when I'm saying no to going to socialize or going to a, you know, a party or going to hang out with friends, I'm saying no to that because I'm choosing to say yes to completing an Ironman triathlon or yes to my business. So I like to just, that, that's my relationship with saying yes and no. And, and sometimes I'll even frame it that way. And, and in the beginning, before I was like really comfortable saying no, I would say, ah, uh, like, yes, I'd love to do that thing. However, I'm saying yes to this instead. So because I'm saying yes to this, I can't also say yes to this. This has to be a no, right? So you can frame it that way too, especially socially, if you want to say yes to other things and it's hard for you to say no which I can relate to. A lot of people can relate to that. If it's hard to say no to, to things around social pressure, that's a, that's a great way to do it. But when it comes to the business, you know, like you said, it's, it's incredible the amount of inbound that comes through. I love it. It's, it's amazing. And we have, like, we have a full-time person, marketing partnerships, who just like filters through the inbound from DMs, through email, through website hits. Like just a full-time person that's literally just filtering what's coming through inbound. It's a full-time job, which is great. We're doing something that's, that's, that's incredible that people want to be a part of in different ways. And, um, and so part of that is having like a moat, having a gate and having people and team from a business standpoint in front of you that can, that you trust to filter the, the, you know, the hot, the, the day in day out. Cause like, I, I don't have enough brain space or time or energy to do that all myself. I did in the beginning and then it grows to the point. It's like, Oh, I need someone here. So I think I, I've done a really good job of being able to put the right people and the right kind of you know, guardians, if you will, in place that filter that, that way they're only bringing me the best of the best, the cream of the crop that comes through to then make decisions on. So it's, it's like delegating a lot of that, that power by having like, um, you know, the, the, the image that's coming to me right now is like, a is, is like filtering through like a filter that uh, having those filters in place so that my inbox is as little as possible. I maintain inbox zero. So I have as little coming to me as possible and trusting that the people in front of me and the filters in front of me are doing their job. So that's been wildly uh, important for me in, 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 as a business and as an operator in this business is being able to do that. So most of the no's are being delegated. And then personally uh, as well, it can just be, it, it can just be a lot, but uh, just, just leading from a place of intuition and trusting myself of always keeping in context to, okay, if I decide to say yes to this, what am I saying no to? And that helps me very quickly. If I say yes to this new opportunity, if I say yes to coming onto this podcast with you, it means I'm saying no to something else. What am I saying no to? Okay, I'm absolutely okay. And saying yes to this podcast far outweighs saying yes to doing an hour of work here, rearranging a meeting here and there. So for what it's going to bring me. So it's just constantly making those decisions and evaluating and trusting your intuition as well when you feel strongly about something. Yeah, that's so good. I think too, it just speaks to paying attention to what season of life you're in. Yeah. And what are the, pri going back to earlier, right? It's like, what you prioritize is exactly like you'll see it in your calendar. And if you're not prioritizing it, then like it's your own decision, right? It's never, it's never a problem of time. It's a, it's a problem of what are you currently prioritizing in your life? So I think it's also just like, you know, that season of life when you're in Ironman training, it's like your focus outside of work is going to be training. But now you might be more of a season of life of like you just, your post Ironman success, like now it's life experiences and, and holiday travel and family, yeah. right? So I think it's always important to kind of just ask yourself what 
what's that season of life I'm in right now? What does my, what do I need yeah. to do more of of my life? Because that's going to change on a monthly basis. And it's just accepting that like, you know, when I was even moving out to Austin, there was so much change happening, but it's like recognizing I'm in a season of change. Yeah. I'm not going to be as productive. I'm going to feel like I am not pushing the growth when it comes to business and social, yeah. but the other thing that's being pushed is my living situation and this new environment. So mm. I just think we have to always keep asking yourself, what's that season of life we're in right now, which just gives you, it's easier to say yes to the yeah. things and no to other things. Totally. And, and like you're saying, it also helps you be, it helps you become more mentally well, because if you were to try to, it's an unfair and unrealistic expectation for yourself making a big move like that, right? Moving halfway across the country to a whole life change. If you expect that you're going to keep up with the same amount of podcasts that you're doing or growth in this way, it's like, that's unrealistic and not fair for you to put that expectation on yourself. So you adjust that and you say, okay, cool. I'm in a season right now of change and transformation in this way. So like, I'm okay with more of this and less of this and being okay with that is huge. I see a lot of people, especially, you know, in the, in the entrepreneurial space as well, you try to do it all and you try to hold it all together. It's going to lead to burnout and you have to yeah. know, like my, my, my Xander Fryer from high impact coaching, a cl- close friend and mentor of mine, he always said like, th- there's times when you, when you need to swing out of balance. And I view that a lot. It's like, I got to swing out of balance here and focus and balance myself more on this thing right now. And I understand by doing that, I'm going to be a little bit more out of balance in this area of my life, but that's okay. Cause I'm doing that consciously. And there's other times where I just swing out of balance into this way. So it's, it's dy- life is dynamic. It's ebbs and flows. It's not this, like as much as we want, like, all right, here's a solid week. Here's a solid month of year. It's going to be constant controllable. It's not a vacuum. It doesn't happen that way. It ebbs and flows. And we need to be able to like surf and ride the waves with it and adjust our course based on the current, based on the tide, based on the wind, based on the weather. We need to be able to, to, to move with it and harness the wind like a sail versus just try to motor our way through. We have to be able to move with it and be adaptable. Mm. When, and, and I think when you approach it like that, what it, you can really access is more inner peace and not beating yourself up and thinking, I need to juggle 15 things at once because you know it leads to burnout. You know it's not going to help in the long term. So it's it's just inner peace of accepting, this is my current reality. It's going to be like this for a few weeks, few months, whatever. And then once we get through it, we'll be on the other side and we can get back to being Boom. balanced like we were before. Boom. Absolutely. On, on November 28th, you announced being selected for Forbes 30 under 30. Congratulations. That is a massive, massive achievement. Um, I'm curious, how do you approach, and maybe this was similarly to even like the Ironman accomplishment, how do you approach mentally taking a moment to accept and appreciate an, this massive reward, whether it was Forbes or whether it was accomplishing the Ironman, but then also getting right back to the mission and, and getting back to the grind as if it never happened? Yeah, I love that question. It's uh, I view it a lot like two wings on the airplane, right? It's it's a combination of masculine and feminine energy, the yin, the yang. It's this is the this is the, the the paradox of 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 life and the dichotomy of spirituality, in my opinion, and just and, and this 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 paradox. There's a great book. Uh, I think it's a Jock. Oh, no, it's not Jocko. Um, I'll share with you later. I'm blanking on the name of the title, but it's like the dichotomy of leadership. I think it is Jocko dichotomy of leadership. It's great. It just talks about these two different things. So in my mind, it's like, okay, how can you be grateful and appreciative and happy and content while also being hungry and focused and striving and taking action, right? They seem kind of like opposite, opposite things, or you can only be focused on one or the other, but I view them as two wings of the airplane. Like you need both to stabilize. And for me, the, the energy that I take with that is, I'm so grateful for where I'm at 
and eager for what's to come and eager for what's next. I'm grateful, but I'm never satisfied. I'm content, but I'm never done. And, and it's combining that energy in two because part of that paradox is the more I can be grateful now, then the more I'm going to have more to be grateful for, the more I'm going to attract more to be grateful for in my life. So you need to lead with that and be focused on that. Now, to answer your question more specific, more directly, getting the news was amazing, right? It was, it was a great, I had Forbes 30 under 30 on my vision board when I was 23 years old with edge wasn't even a thought in my mind. And I had no clue. It was my first job out of college. I had no clue how I was going to do something meaningful enough or moving enough to be considered in this Forbes 30 under 30 group. But it was something I desired. I'm like, this will be fun. Like this, this is, I don't know why, but I want to do this. And it's cool now. It's like, I had that on my vision board and now I have, you know, the plaque with my, you know, the magazine page and the, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool, like, it's a cool realization of something. And for me though, what the Forbes represented was it was way less meaningful to me, funny enough, than doing the Ironman, which a lot of people were confused about. They're like the opposite. They're like, wait, that's way better. Like, yeah, anybody can do, uh, you know, a, a, a triathlon. Like, few people can get named to Forbes thirty under thirty. But for me, Forbes was a it was a byproduct of doing the work that I'm doing already. So it was a nice recognition for the work. But part of me was also like, oh, like they ain't seen nothing yet. They think this is impressive. Like, just wait, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm just getting started. But, um, it was, it was definitely really meaningful for my family, my parents, like it was, and my friends around me, it was a nice celebration. So what it looked like for me was like celebrating and honoring that and being able to like be very grateful and sit in that. And also it just fueled me. It was just like amazing. Cool. Like Nancy, nothing yet. Like, let's go. We're just getting started. So I I definitely took that time and space to celebrate, but, but it's like, it's by no means a finish line. It's like, it's a byproduct of something that I'm continuously moving towards. Mm, so good. It goes right hand in hand with how you're describing the two wings on a plane. Yeah. And I love to think of life like you're flying 30,000 feet in the air, right? And there's going to be those moments when you have some turbulence that bumps you up, which is the highs. It's the achievements. Mm. It's these things you've been working towards and you feel great and feel unstoppable. Embrace it, right? And you're going to have those low moments where shit doesn't feel like it's going according to plan. You feel lost. You just... You don't have it in you, whatever season of life you're going in, you just, you don't want to be there. But what happens when flying is the plane always levels out. It always gets back to that 30,000 feet, regardless of how high the high gets or how low it gets, it always levels back out. So I think it's so important that when you have those wins, right? It's like you take it, you embrace it like you were just saying. And at the same time, it's like you wake up the next day and you're right back to it. Like, it, it serves as these little blips of moments that are showing like, yes, I'm doing the right thing, but it's not the defining moment. It's not the defining thing that's like, mm. all right, we made it. Like, it's a wrap. I did Forbes 30 on 30. Yeah. I'm, it's like, nope, this is like, you, if anything, you're just putting a little bit more fuel on this engulfed okay. fire that is burning out of Southern California, not from the fires, but from what yeah. is created. <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. And um it reminds me of also, I love the analogy that you just shared about the airplane too. And guess what? You start on the ground and you end on the ground, right? It's like, <laughs> it comes full circle, but it's the journey. It's the journey and the flight in, be- in between and, and where you're going and what your destination is. That's, that's, that's life. But it also leads me to a, a line that I love that another mentor shared with me, which is take no credit, take no blame, stay focused on your chief aim. Mm. And to me, that's something that I've learned riding highs, riding lows is the more that the degree of which you open yourself up to receive praise and credit for doing something 
is the same degree that you expose yourself to feeling the lows and to feeling blame for something or to feeling really crappy about something. So for me, it's like, while the masses and a lot of people will get really high for something like that, or, you know, certain measures of success or this or that, to me, that just, and I know this because it can be a roller coaster, right? And if you, if you grab onto the highs, guess what? You're going to feel that low. You're going to feel that drop when the turbulence takes you down just the same amount. So for me, I really aim to keep that steady, keep that steady focus on where am I going? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Take no credit, take no blame. I'm going to leave that on the table and stay focused on my chief aim. Question is like, how do you do that in a way of being grateful too? Because there's a difference between like being accepting praise for something and being grateful for something. Like I, I think that there's a difference in that gratitude feels like a stabilizer an equalizer to me or like a rudder when you're in the ship, it feels like more of a rudder to me. So that's something that I focus on a lot because if I take a lot of credit for this thing, it's like, then I'm going to feel the opposite of that when something doesn't go my way. And it's going to be this roller coaster, this rocky, rocky ride. So I, I, I practice and I aim to leave both of those on the table and just focus on my chief aim and just keep going and doing what I'm doing. Mm, so well said. Um, find the others podcast in what ways has hosting and operating this show transformed your perspective in so many ways, my bearded brother, Bobby, let me tell you <laughs> so many ways. I, I started finding the others podcast a couple of years ago and it came from this desire, right? Of this curiosity. I like to consider myself a passionately curious student of life. I'm always looking for what's the lesson here. What's the takeaway in this, in this, in this conversation, like I have notes written down already. It's like, what's the takeaway from talking with Bobby? What's the takeaway from my talk with the Uber driver or, um, or Carmen, the janitor that I just met in my building earlier this morning? Like, what's the takeaway from this interaction, from this book, this person, this lesson, this experience, this thing that's happening to me seemingly? How can it be actually happening for me? What's the takeaway? And that curiosity has opened the door for miracles to happen in my life, for these shifts in perspective to happen. So I always loved having these deep conversations past the surface level, diving in, how do you define success? How do you, what, what, what do you view money? How do you view money as a tool for yourself? Or what, when was the last time you cried, right? Like what's something you're passionate about? And I always, and my friends always knew me as the one that was going to just derail the conversation and take it away from spectator sport bullshit down to like depth <laughs> and real life's too short for small talk. Life's also too short to skip dessert. That's, that's a, you can quote me on that one. Ooh. But <laughs> I, so I started finding the other podcast as a way that would Yes, allow me to share some of these amazing insights that I was having through a conversation like this with people that I was inspired by. But even more so, it was selfishly a tool of accountability for me because I said, okay, cool. This is going to force me now to have these more of these conversations consistently and give me a way where if I know that at least one person can take something away from this conversation I'm having with someone like Bobby or having with, with an inspiring person that I find interesting, then it would be selfish of me not to share that because my life has been changed from a podcast. So many people, it's like that one nugget of truth that resonates with you that can truly change the trajectory of your life. It puts you on a whole new, another course. It's a breadcrumb that leads you to the next breadcrumb that totally changes things for you. So for me, starting Find the Others was really in that intention. And I just started and like the type A go-getter that I am, I said, all right, I don't want to just peter out and do a few episodes and, and leave it. I think it's something like 95% of podcasts don't make it past episode seven. Like It's yeah, really it's easy to start a podcast. You're literally a top 1% top podcast after episode 10. Wow. Top 1%. Top 1%. It's not even about the downloads. It's about your, your, your ability to continuously show up. If you get past episode 10, you were in the top 1% in the world. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that stat. That's fantastic. Crazy. So I saw the same thing you saw, which is like, okay, I don't want to be the 99% in anything in life. I don't want to be the 99%. And 
I, I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit now with starting this podcast. I don't want to just peter out and just do a few episodes and stop. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I said, all right, for the first year, I'm going to do two episodes a week, one solo episode, one guest episode. And I'm going to do two episodes a week for a full year for 52 weeks. And I did that successfully. And then I went into the next year continuing with, with that type of regular cadence. So I got up to 150, 100, 120, 150 episodes pretty quickly by doing that, which was great. And then this past year, I, um, I took a bit of a break with that because I prioritized focusing on the business and Ironman, these other things. So something had to get squeezed out and find the other's podcast was that still did some episodes here and there. Now I'm in an exciting phase of, of feeling re-energized and reinvigorated to, to, to pick it back up and start it, start being more consistent with it for all the energy that it brings me. So what it's brought me in my life to answer your question is, so many different up-leveled perspectives, ways of thinking, ways of connecting with people, so many new people in my, in my network and my in relationships that have been built. And also it's brought me a lot of fulfillment for sharing these messages and stories and experiences and perspectives with other people that have made a difference, like being able to receive the, the, the text messages or the, the Instagram DMs or the, the people sharing this, seeing those stats at the end of the year, always so humbling. of just like, wow, how many people I was a top of top podcast for how many people or how many people shared my, like how many thousands of people download? Like that's wild. And mm. that it's brought me a lot of fulfillment as well. And a lot of certainty and confidence in my path to keep doing more of that. And that there's more for me here in this, in this realm. Yeah. It's, uh, I've always looked at podcasting as three wins. One, if you're doing at least for the, the guest episodes, right? It's like the win is you get to connect with the, the person that you're looking to connect with. So my win is like, I, I get to connect with you today. You, the, the guest win, your win is you get to share your, your, your story, your perspective, your life with the listeners of the show. Yep. That's when, and then thirdly, most importantly, the listeners that they get to tune in, get a win because they're, they're enhancing their perspective. They're learning something new. They're taking these tools and running with it. I literally would not be where I am today if it wasn't for tw- fall of 2015, starting to listen to the School of Greatness podcast, yeah. literally using podcasts as a way to put myself in the room with the individuals that I was inspired by and wanted to learn from, but didn't have access to them physically or even through the internet. It allowed me to just drop into these rooms and these conversations. And it's been, I mean, it's just been pure life-changing, but I would love to hear like how you've learned to give yourself permission to pivot. And the reason I ask that is, right, as I discussed to you before this podcast started, I took a 16-month pause, need to reprioritize. Similarly, you did the same. Like, yeah, you have that ability to recognize like, yes, I love doing this, but I need to focus my time and energy on X, Y, and Z. So I'm just going to put this on pause. But there's people out there that want to pause on something and don't do it because I'm going to lose the momentum. Uh, like, what are people going to think of me? Uh, I'm just never going to be able to do it again, right? But you've you you give yourself that permission to just step away, and now you're coming back. What what are you telling yourself, or how are you allowing yourself to make those pivots within the podcast, or even it could be business or life? Yeah, love that question. I would say that what's coming through for me right now is most of most of the reasons not to are externally focused. Like even just saying like, oh, what are people going to think if I do this, or I'm going to lose the momentum, and that's going to affect me in these ways. It's 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 like it's the focus is on the wrong spot. If you're focused on what's going to be best for me and for my mission and for my chief aim, like, yeah, okay. Right now it's not necessarily a podcast. It's getting, getting legs underneath this, this business. And I know that I'm going to come back to it. Like that's a me thing. And that's focused on me. And I feel certain in that. And so that gives me permission to, to pivot or to move and move with the, with the, with the flow. But if it's like, Oh, most of the time when we 
have resistance around doing something, it's because, like you said, what will other people think about this? Mm. If that's what you're focused on, you're focused on the wrong, wrong area. Yeah, man. Learning to let go of caring what other people think or how people are going to judge is one of the most freeing things and just truly allows you to just operate from a place of surrender and yeah. listening to what your gut is. Like I just recorded a podcast this morning that'll come out that'll already be out by the time this, this comes out. Um, and it's about what, what do you need to not do mm-hmm. in 2024 to make this your best year? Love that. And one of those is just like creating this resistance to make those pivots in your life when you know you need to make the pivot. Mm-hmm. Because by you blocking yourself from doing that, you're inevitably just holding yourself back from making the change for stepping into the life that you truly want for yourself. And the longer you do that, the more resentment you're going to have towards yourself, towards others. And you're just literally bottlenecking yourself, right? So when you can learn to just give yourself that permission to pivot, to chase after the things you want, to switch up the lifestyle, to hit the reset button, you don't need a new calendar year. You don't need a new calendar month. You don't need a new week. You just need a new day to recognize it's time to make that change. And that's why I get, you know, I love like New Year's resolution, but at the same time, we need to like, tear apart this mindset that you need a new calendar year to finally make the change because it it doesn't need to be a new year. It just needs to be a new day for someone to finally create that change for themselves. So on board with you. I always love doing a podcast episode like February 1st or March 1st. I'm just like, today's new year's like get back to it. Why why do we decide that, you know, it's like your resolutions are probably, you're probably failing them by this point. So like why, and, and it's just like, Oh, I'll just chalk it up. I'll maybe better luck next year. I'm back. It's like, no, like get back to it. Today can be day one. Yeah. My, my buddy, Danny Miranda tweeted, uh, yesterday, it was the day after Christmas and I respect anyone that's taking time for the holidays. Like, you know, you, you need to take your rest and recharge, but he said, uh, I applaud anyone that's working on 2024 today. Yes. And it's like, yes, we don't need to wait for 2024 to hit. We don't need to ride the holiday wave because that's what everyone else is doing. We need, yeah. I mean, look at us. It's literally December 28th. Yeah. We're recording this podcast. Like it's in between the holidays, but we're still just chipping away because we love what we do. We see it as an opportunity to grow. It doesn't, you know, maybe you need to compartmentalize later today or this week to like actually slow down and have that rest all good. Yeah. But like we're here today and we're still chipping away and just doing what we love. That's that's my favorite part about this. This week, honestly, in between Christmas and New Year's is probably my favorite week of the entire year. Yes. Because and, and it's funny, I was having a conversation with 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 my friend Christina, who's a dog. She's a dog. She's a go-getter. And and she's she's a high level. And we were so she was like literally saying it's my favorite week too. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that because it's quiet. Like one, there's something about being in between, like you're in the holiday season. And so there's something great that just happened with Christmas. There's something great coming up with new year. So you're kind of in this, like in this fun, energetic vortex, like most people are taking off this week and amazing take off. You need to take off. That's great. But for me, the great part about that, because most people are taking off is that the inbox is like, it's, I'm getting less inbound, right? There's less of like the day-to-day firefighting or the day-to-day stuff with everybody needing things and wanting things. So there's a lot more space for like less meetings, more creative time, more deep work, more focus. And you can kind of merge and blend, like dropping in hard with a podcast like this podcast I did earlier doing a, a, you know, high leverage budgeting meeting later today, and then just enjoying time around it. So it's more of this kind of like deep work, relax kind of mold, which is, which is what I strive to do and what I aim to bring into every day. And like, that's, that's where I'm trying to head from a 
from a work life kind of relationship is being in that zone where every week feels like this, where it's like, you've got the space to go deep work and you can get things done because it's quiet. You don't have all these inbound things, but you can also like take time and enjoy and not feel guilty about, you know, sleeping in maybe or taking some time in the afternoon and go get coffee with a friend. So I, this is my favorite week of the entire year. Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely right there with you. Absolutely. I know that. Um, as we wrap up this podcast, I'd love for you to challenge the listeners today. Anyone challenge something that they should do, take action on after listening to this episode today. Yeah. The thing that comes to right away is say yes to the thing that you're thinking about saying yes to. Whatever that thing is that you're just like toying with the idea, should I do this? I'm thinking about doing this thing. I'm thinking about like, I'm intrigued by this thing, like that breadcrumb that's right there. You know what it is. I don't know what it is for you, but you know what it is for yourself. Say yes to that thing right now. Just say yes to it. Whatever that thing is, it's probably at the edge of your comfort zone. Say yes to it and watch how your life will change and look back at how saying yes to this one thing right now led to something else beautiful. So say yes to that thing that you're debating. Yes, yes, yes. I'm all for it. Where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about Edge Theory Labs? Instagram is my go-to spot on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church. Um, Excited. I'm going to be sharing some really good stuff coming up in the new year here. and. my, my podcast, find the others. I share clips similar to the way you do on your Instagram. I share those clips on my, my page, Edge Theory Labs on Instagram at Edge Theory Labs. It's a great place to be. We share everything else that we're working on, all the updates, the events, the workshops, everything like that will come through our, our Instagram page, our website, our links in our bio. So that's the best place. Catch us on Instagram. Yeah, I'll have that all linked up below. Your personal, great. your podcast, Thanks. Edge Theory Labs. Uh, for those listening, if you enjoy this episode, definitely screenshot this episode, post it to your, to your story, tag Joshua, tag me. Let us Love know what was the biggest takeaway. What did you learn from this episode? We dove into so many different topics. Yeah. And uh, you can really have the ripple effect on others if you found value in this podcast. Share it out to your community. There's going to be one person that sees it that then listens and is going to thank you for sharing yeah. that episode. I love it. Get your team on it. It's a team sport. Life's a team yeah. sport. Get your team on it. Get your friends on this wavelength because we're on this wavelength and you're on it together. It's the only way. It's a team yeah. sport. Get your team on it. Let's go. Yeah. Amen. Joshua, thank you for covering hey, our time. Brother. What a pleasure. Thank you, man. What a great, what a great conversation. Certainly a memorable one. So I appreciate you. Let's 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 crush in 2024. All right. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Bearded Man podcast.